All right, let's go to Matthew 28. My name is Aaron. If I've not met you, I want to meet you. So send me an email. My email is up there. Or most people have my cell number, so you can ask someone on your road. They probably have my cell phone number. Give me a text sometime. I want to get to know you guys. Thanks for being with us. Back in 2009, I finished a graduate degree, and they told me my professor over the program said, something very, very important is going to happen. We have a hooding ceremony. Okay, I'd never heard of a hooding ceremony, so naturally I asked the question, what happens at a hooding ceremony? And I was told this, at a hooding ceremony, you get a hood. Okay. All right, so that that makes sense. So then the question was, and we were in a classroom here, uh, Doc, what do we do with the hood? I mean, what will you do with the hood in the future? We knew we would wear it at the, the hooding ceremony. And, and Doc said, in a very academic, professional voice, uh, you will use it for special occasions. So then the next question came, okay, besides a college graduation, what kind of special occasions are we going to use the hood for? And again, in a very professional, academic voice, he said, for various special occasions. <laughs> well, guys, it's now 2023, and I've never used that hood, ever. Okay, it, it, it was okay for that night. In fact, this year I had two potential opportunities that I thought after 14 years I would use the hood, and both of these opportunities, the people in charge, I said, do I need, need my regalia? They said, nah, nah, don't worry about that. So it is collecting dust in my closet. Now, I'm sure someone who knows more about academics could give the history and the reasoning behind that. But the question I had then and I still have now is what was the purpose of the hood? Of course, there is an answer, but you understand pragmatically we're asking what is the purpose? Hey, I want to thank you for being here today. I don't take for granted that you've come to this room or you're watching online you're invested in the church. J just this morning means there's some level of investment in the church. But I got to just ask together, what's our purpose, right? Like, why do we do this? Is it a custom? Is it an obligation? We're not trying to earn our way from heaven, so it's not like we're trying to do a good work to enter heaven. There, there has to be a purpose in the church. And I want to talk a few minutes with you today and answer this question. What is the purpose of the church? What is the purpose of the church? On Palm Sunday this year, I gave a sermon, eight reasons I'm praying CIL is grow, to, to grow, that I'm praying for us to grow. And we had been growing up to that point, and we've grown since that point. But I, I see our future, though, with more growth Filling up this room three times, not, not just having two services. Using our property for God's glory. Reaching more people locally and globally. So, so the question is, well, why? Is it just because, you know, Aaron wants a big church? I mean, yeah, okay, let's be honest. A senior pastor probably does have some advantages to grow. But how many know that's not, should not be in the motivation those kind of intrinsic kind of benefits. I want to go back to the Bible. Biblically, 
what happens when we reach more people for Jesus? What, what happens? I mean, I mean, the most basic answer is their soul is connected to God. So that, that, that they have a destiny in heaven. They have a, their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. They're going to heaven. So yes, true. But also in this life, what increases? What happens? And so I said back in April, eight definitive statements. I'm going to share one of those today. And here, here it is. We will increase the biblical purposes of the church. This is why we're praying and partnering with God, working for the church to grow. Because when the church grows, the purpose for the church to exist grows simultaneously. Now remember this, the church is not a name, not a building, not an organization. The church is the people. And so as when we say the church is growing, it means that you are growing. Your heart for God, your character, your, your morality, your, your Christ-likeness, your closeness to the Lord. These things increase in you as we increase under the biblical mandates of the church. So we like to talk around here. We go over this in CIL Forward, but it's also good to remind us of that. CIL Forward, by the way, is our pathway to partnership. And we'll offer one of those in August, but you can also go online and start today. We have an online version of CIL Forward. You can start anytime. I don't wish insomnia upon you, but if you do get insomnia, go take CIL Forward in the middle of the night and see how fast it may help you either go to sleep or... Boy, that was a terrible pitch, wasn't it? It will invigorate you with new passion for the day ahead. So we talk in CIL Forward and we talk occasionally here about five biblical purposes. These are five things that the church should have all over the world. Wherever there's a gathering of God's people, wherever there's a corner where there's a church building, or a storefront where there's a church building, or if there's a house church in Iran or in China, this gathering called the church should have certain characteristics. All right, you guys ready to get to the Bible? Because the Bible is important. I always get nervous. I know some of you are always like, when's he going to get to the word? When's he going to get to the word? I always get to the word and prioritize the word. But I guess sometimes I choose to set it up. So here we go. Matthew 28, starting with verse 19. The most beautiful sound, Bible pages moving. Isn't that great? I was about to read and I heard that beautiful sound. Someone needs to make that for preachers, like the sound to go to sleep to, the rustling of Bible pages. There we go. I gave someone a business idea for a small market, but it's still a business idea. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yes, Here's the first biblical purpose, not in order of importance, but just in order of presentation. Discipleship. I want you to know that word. 
discipleship. Every functioning, healthy church should be a church of discipleship. What does that mean? That's to help people of all ages know and follow Jesus. That's what Matthew 28, 19 was about. It says, go into all the world and make disciples. That disciples is someone who follows after a rabbi, follows after a teacher. And so we're under the yoke of Jesus, the rabbi, revealed as Messiah. And the things Jesus teaches and the things Jesus emphasizes and the, the interpretation Jesus gives of the Torah and the prophets... He is, he is the line we carry his yoke upon us. We are his disciples. He is our apprentice. So we are called Christians, which means it was first a derogatory statement, but now it's a statement of beauty. Little Christ. Like these people who are under the yoke and teaching of Jesus who follow his way, his perspective, his interpretation. They're little Christ. They're little Jesuses. This is the name that we have. And so we are called to reproduce the work of Jesus in other people. What a blessing that is. This is people of all ages. And guys, you know, we emphasize next-gen ministry here. And that now has extended to college life. And it's extended to young professionals. But guys, listen, I know this, that all of us, us old people like me, gray in my beard, those of you who are empty nesters like me, those of you who are retired, I'm not letting you off the hook. Because you guys and me also need to become more like Jesus. Discipleship is not for the kids only. It's for everyone who has breath. We've got to get closer and we have the invitation to get closer to the Lord. We're not called to live off our past experiences. We're not called to live off our reputation. We're called to have a living, dynamic relationship with Jesus. And every year, every month, every week, we're becoming more like Jesus. We're changing habits. We're eliminating bad practices. We're seeking his presence. We are, we are endued with the life of Jesus by his spirit. And this is what discipleship is. Hebrews 6.1, it's a great call to us. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. This is part of your call in this life. God has called you to be a mature Christian. Don't be satisfied with immaturity. Don't be satisfied with your level of knowledge of the Lord. Don't be satisfied with your habits and your moral choices because you're being called to maturity. And the church, that's part of the call to discipleship. We're discipling all ages and all people because we all need transformation. What I've found out is this, and you have too, and the years I've had on this planet Earth, that as soon as I think I have things figured out with the Lord, my life changes. It's either a new era of life, it's a new situation, it's a new challenge. I'm always having to readjust my life with Christ based off my, my current circumstances. And you're the same way too. We're called to discipleship. That's why we really believe in the sacrament of water baptism. Water baptism does not save you, but it's a sign of discipleship. Because when you're baptized in water, you're, you're publicly 
physically, visibly saying, you're in with the Lord. You're in with Jesus. You're, you're letting that transformation that's happened on the inside be a sign on the outside. And I know this, that in our context, adult baptisms are precious and important because it's a sign of understanding the way of the Lord and choosing to walk in the ways of the Lord. So if you have not been baptized in water, please consider that. You can talk to any of our pastors, uh, specifically Pastor Mauricio heads up that ministry. And so, he, so he's a good person to talk to, but Deborah, Jacob, whoever else is available, Aubrey, we'd love to talk with you, Beth, about water baptism. So what is discipleship? You're not going to believe this, some of you. Like preachers or theologians or churchmen like actually have discussions on what is discipleship. Because like, what is discipleship? It's like this, this question that kind of floats out there. I want to give you my definition of discipleship, okay? It is, this is an Aaron Allison original, as far as I know. So it's what I introduce into conversations. And this is what I believe discipleship is. It won't be on the screen, so you'll have to listen closely. Discipleship is self-feeding that prospers the community. Thank you, Mauricio. Mauricio said that was good. I'm so, I'm so glad you said that, man. I'm so glad we hired you. Thank you. <laughs> but I believe it's from your heart. Here it is. Discipleship is self-feeding that prospers the community. In other words, self-feeding means this. Like, I, I'm glad that you get a spiritual boost here. You get scripture here. You get the presence of the Lord. And, and something special when we, happens when we, ha- when we come together. But I want you to learn how to feed yourself spiritually. And, and we have lots of processes for that in discipleship. In fact, Pastor Deborah is a spiritual director, and so she specializes in that, but that's not limited to her. Our 242 leaders also would love to talk to you about how you can walk with the Lord more closely. It's a process, but it's an invitation. Now, we don't want you... Or to, to be self-feeding and then disconnect from the church. That's a, that's, we want you to be able to have a vital relationship with Jesus that prospers the community. So that when the worship set starts, man, we have people, and this is the case at this church, who are walking in the spirit. And the worship leaders are not the people up here with the microphone only. We've got worship leaders in this section, this section, that section, that section. We've got worship leaders in the sound booth. We've got people who are hungry for the Lord's presence there. And we are blessed by that. The church prospers because of that. Discipleship. Discipleship prospers the local community. Here's the second word I'm going to say. And Jacob is just getting ready for a big amen. So I'm just going to beat you to the punch. I'm just going to anticipate your amen on the second word, the second purpose, evangelism. Amen. Thank you. All right. <laughs> I say that because evangelism is under his occupational portfolio. But how many know evangelism is not Jacob's work or the evangelist's work? It's every Christian's work. Right? Even Timothy, who had strong pastoral gifts, I identify with Timothy Biblically, uh, Paul told them, Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. And so we want to give attention to this. Here, what is evangelism? To share the good news of Jesus Christ. To share the good news of Jesus Christ. And as a three streams church, that's part of our identity, but we have this evangelistic stream that's important. 
That's part of we're in this tradition of people who believe the story of what God did in our life is to be shared, is to be told, is not to be personal. It's to be communal, that we share with friends, family, neighbors. This is a call, and we want to get better at that. I don't know about you, but when I hear a lot, of, a lot of guys or gals speak on evangelism, I just feel so guilty already. I'm like, okay. That's like the easiest sermon to make people feel guilty because we should all do more. But guys, we're just going to get better together, right? We're just going to get better together. We're just going to keep our attention on this. We're just going to keep allowing the Lord to touch us. And soon we're having, we, have, we have opportunities for you to, to learn how to tell those stories, to learn how to engage we, we know this Luke chapter 19 verse 10 says it this way. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. For the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. That's Jesus talking about Jesus. He's talking about himself. He said he's come to seek and save the lost. Jesus didn't come just to expand Judaism, though that did happen. He came so that the whole world who was lost and disconnected from God, can be connected to God. And that's what we want to do both locally and globally. It's not one or the other, it's both. See, our mission statement is this. You've heard it every week these last few weeks. CIL exists to know his love and to share his love. One without the other is incomplete. We know his love because we have to know something to share something. But we also know this, understand this, is that it's not satisfactory enough just to know a story if we don't share the story. Uh, we are following the ways of Jesus when we share. And I want you to feel this, that the, the personality God gave you and even the perspective you have on the world and even your past is all chosen by God as part of how you're going to share his love. So we're not here to force you into a personality type or to a technique. We, we're going to together get better at this. And, and it's going to feel good and natural. And we're going to have, as I talked about last week, power upon our story. There's power in the Holy Spirit when we're his witnesses, when we're pointing to God, saying there's God, there's power, there's anointing when we go, there's anointing when we speak. The Lord is going to continue to give us a heart. And I want you to begin to open your eyes to neighbors and friends. Uh, we have started these last couple of years since Pastor Jacob has come on staff, a Bless Our Neighborhood initiative. That's a chance to realize that what happens at Christ's Love Church is awesome on Sunday mornings. But we want to take it to the marketplace. We want to take it to the place of need. We want to take it to the places in North Nashville, in Sumner County that are overlooked and that people need a touch of the Lord. And we have great stories of progress in that area. We have mission partners locally and globally. We, we support well over 30 different ministries or mission agencies a month. I mean, we support so many. I don't know the exact count right now, right? If there was Three, I could tell you three, but there's 35 plus from my memory of that. So the point is this, is we realize that God is using local missions organizations. God is using um, national missions organizations, ministries, and global partners to make an impact in the world. 
But I'm excited to also share with you that really for the first time in the history of our church, we're sending out a missionary from our church body to the country of Malaysia. The country of Malaysia has 34 million people, 34 million people, and less than 10% may claim to be a Christian. And we know that even that number, they need discipleship. And, you know, I'm not going to mention who that person is because this is being videoed right now, but he's in this room. I want that person to stand up. Would you stand up? This, this young man back here, can you look? It's our, yeah. He, he's he's going to be our first sent missionary just from our church. And he's working with a, a great organization. But the weight of that is in this body. And, and so you're going to be able to continue to hear about that and participate in that. The Lord is opening doors for us. The Spirit is leading us. I never thought this would happen. To Japan. And we, we have two, two missionaries to Japan that we're starting to engage with. The Lord is sending us, I want you to listen to this really exotic place, to the Mansker Farms neighborhood in Hendersonville. Okay? Now, now I say that, like, like our church has always had a tradition of, of like people in Mansker Farms uh, who came to our church and just looked up and I'm like, I'm not sure. I don't know as many people now from Mansker Farms. I know we've had new, new housing divisions. It's a great subdivision, but we're, we're praying for that neighborhood. We, we, we drove through that neighborhood this week and just to remember it and, and say, God, we want a 242 small group there. We're, we're, we're praying for a 242 small group in White House. And so that, that there can be um, friends and neighbors who come because God has called us to live in the biblical purpose of evangelism. The Spirit is leading us. Here is the third one, the third purpose I want to emphasize today, worship. Worship. This is to, worship has kind of a couple of dimensions to it. And so we'll spend some time on this this morning. To seek the Lord. So just to seek the Lord. I want you just to, so these words don't all blend together. The worship is to seek the Lord and to live in a manner that brings glory to God. So you see they're kind of a twofold call. It's a call to seek the Lord, like worship and public worship and prayer and seeking the scripture, specific activity. And then it's also a call to live our lives as worship to the Lord. Now, I, I want us to go to Genesis chapter 4, and I want to share with you uh, a, a just a, a really intriguing scripture to me. And it's, it's been an intriguing scripture as I've heard some, some lectures from anthropologists and from those who, who, who have really understand the early, or, or at least have their best understanding of the early part of Genesis. No one knows for sure, but, but, but there are scholars who could give give either greater insight than, than just us reading it by itself. And so Genesis 4.26 is a curious, attention-grabbing scripture. And it says this. This is, this is after Cain and Abel. Uh, they, Cain murdered Abel, and, and here we are. That At that time, the people began to call on the name of the Lord. Now, that word Lord, capitalized, means Yahweh or Jehovah. So there, there was a time that the scripture makes a clear declaration that worship began to happen. Genesis 4.26. It's, it's a scripture you may have read over 
quickly. It's kind of snuck in there, but it's it's consequential. Uh, Even before the days of Noah, we see this turning point in humanity where humanity began to call on the name of the Lord. It implies perhaps that not all humanity called upon the name of the Lord, but there was a remnant. There were some who did. Now, a lot was happening in Genesis chapter 4 leading up to verse 26. Now, the first murder was introduced early on in Genesis chapter 4 between Cain and Abel. And then the rest of Genesis chapter 4, they follow, it follows Cain's lineage. And there's seven generations, seven generations. And a a lot happens, and I debated whether I would, would take the time to share these scriptures uh, but Beth said, yeah, you need to share the scripture. So let's go. Let's go to verse 16. I'll, I'll give you a sample of some things that have happened. Then Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod east of Eden. Now, Cain was intimate with his wife and she conceived and gave birth to Enoch. Then Cain became, now I want you to see this, the builder of a city. And he named the city Enoch, Enoch after his son. So we begin to see people are beginning to gather And what happens when people gather in cities? Productivity happens. When people gather in cities, uh, there's more proximity. uh, There's more trade. There's more specialization. And this was beginning to happen. We'll go on down to verse 20. Ada bore Zabel. We're we're going now through the the seven generations. He was the firstborn of, now look at this, the nomadic herdsmen. So this idea of domesticating animals and using animals. There's a sense of progress here happening in a rural setting. Verse 21. Um, His brother was named Jubal. And he was the first, look at this all you musicians, who played the the lyre and the flute. And that's what kind of happens as humanity organizes a little bit. We begin to create in the arts. So you see this productivity is happening. A city is built. Animals are domesticated. The arts are coming together. Man is doing, humanity is doing what humans are supposed to do. We're progressing. This is part of being in the image of God. We're progressing. Now, let's see how the story begins to turn. Uh, Zilla born, uh, bore Tubal Cain, who made all kinds of bronze and iron tools. Again, this goes with this, this same idea of progress. And then going on to verse, the next verses. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, wives of Lamech. Pay attention to my words, for I killed a man for wounding me. And remember that Cain had done the same under God's, even though he was under God's rule, he had introduced the first murder. Now we have one of his descendants, Lamech, bragging about killing a man. Actually having a form of poetry and music. For I killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain is to be avenged seven times over, then for Lamech it will be 77 times. So though humanity is progressing in some ways, simultaneously evil is progressing. Simultaneously, even though there's progress in the building of cities and the building of arts and, and, and even developing tools with bronze, though there is a boasting in the power of man that says, now, I will. Moving on. And Adam was intimate with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son named, named him Seth. For he said, God had given me another offspring in place of Abel since Cain killed him. Now, now let's go back to 26. The first is the first scripture that I read. 
a son was born to Seth also, and he named him Enish, which is a very close derivative of Adam. So it's the idea of a new start for humanity. And at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. I took you, I shared this verse, and I took you back to some context that man is progressing, but man is also increasing in evil and increasing in the intensity of sin. And then a remnant said, now we're going to call upon a specific God with the name. His name is Yahweh. His name is Jehovah. And it's the first time in scripture that God was worshiped by a particular name. So why am I saying all of this is that the people in your life, in your family, co-workers, people you grew up with, people you go to school with are created to worship and they need to worship. And we together as the church provide an environment where Jesus is exalted It's a transcendent environment where we come together and we worship the Lord and we sing and we hear ancient wisdom by the power of scripture. And there's a a presence of God that is in the place of gathering that the heart of mankind longs for this. And there has been a substitute of it in following the arts and following sports in the pursuit of pleasure, in the pursuit of political power. It has been a perversion of the worship that God has called all mankind to call upon a specific God with a particular name. This is the call that we have. So when we come, guys, together, we're not just putting in our time. Like, okay, let's go to church. I hope the worship's good. I hope the preaching's good. Hope, hope it doesn't go too late. I'm going to put in my time. No, we are part of the remnant who are calling upon a God with a specific name, a specific character. And he is calling all mankind to know who he is. And since this Genesis 4:26, mankind has been searching to worship God. That's why a great favor you're doing to a friend of yours, to someone you care for, to a neighbor, is to invite them into this relationship with God. I want you to hear this, guys. Christ is love, church. We have something to offer the world, and that is Jesus. We, we have something to offer. And then we have a particular culture he's given us that's going to allow us and is allowing us to reach specific people that other good churches that we partner with and support don't have the same personality God's given this local church family. This is the call. That's why how we live our lives is so important. Romans 12, 2 now takes it beyond, Romans 12, 1, beyond just worship service, beyond just sacrifices, beyond just music, and says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifices, Holy and pleasing to God. Look at this phrase on the screen or on your Bibles. This is your true worship. So even though mankind's been worshiping the the specific God since Genesis 4.26, that in the new covenant we're saying this, yes, keep doing that type of worship, but also worship God with your very lifestyle. Worship God with your choice of words, with your attitude, with who you are, every single thing you do is worship to God. And that's why we offer at our church weekly in some form, in some opportunity, the sacrament of communion. This is an important part of our worship 
and it's important, an important vital part of us being living sacrifices to the Lord because we're taking on through the symbol of the bread and cup. We're taking on uh, Christ as, as part of who we are. He's chosen us. He's shown mercy on us. And so we now offer as a gift to him and partake of all of him. We respond to Christ so that it, it is Christ who does the work, not us. All right, here's the fourth word. Fellowship. Fellowship. To live relationally, connected to other believers in ways that encourage spiritual growth. It was always a bummer for me as a youth pastor when, um, when kids in our youth group would find friends in our youth group and then they would go sin together. Um, I mean, intentionally, not just, not just fall into sin, but like intentionally, like figured out, you know, how to, how to sneak out onto the church porch and smoke, you know, and that whole thing. Uh, if you call that a sin, it is, I guess, if you're a teenager, right? So, okay, we'll, we'll say that. So, oh man, okay, that bombed. All right, so we'll move on. <laughs> My point is this, is that living relationally connected to other believers for the purpose of spiritual growth. You know, it's not just about us uh, putting on fellowship opportunities for bored people. That's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to connect people relationally, and it doesn't always have to be like this amazing time. I mean, it could be something really random, like eating ice cream and packing um, stuff for kids, right? I mean, that's a good thing. You're planning that, Dana, so that's a good thing. Uh, But there's good things in that. That's that's fellowship with a purpose. That's fellowship that's bringing people somewhere. And so this, this is the call that we have. That's why, in case you didn't know, our 242 small groups are named after the scripture Acts 242. Sometimes we're so, we've been saying this for so many years. We're like 242 small groups and we don't take the rest of you, the church with us on this. This is what Acts 242 says and it calls us to mimic. They, this is the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which today that's the Bible, Okay. They devoted themselves to the Bible, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. This is, this is what they did. They devoted themselves, devoted relationally. And that's one of the purposes of the church. Discipleship, evangelism, worship, and fellowship. Frankly, too, I've known churches that, that were really good at discipleship. It's like they had all kinds of courses they offered. They were really good at evangelism. Uh, they had really great worship, but like no one ever had a pizza party. And I say, okay, sometimes you just need a pizza party. Now, I don't think you need a potluck. That's not God's will. Uh, the Lord has delivered the church from potluck. And we, don't, we don't want any of that, like uh, um, that fluorescent potato salad from uh, Kroger's or Publix, you know, that thing that just like glows in the dark. And, it, you know, you have 10 of them brought because no one wants to pay extra. So that, I'm not saying that's God's will. But like sometimes we just need to connect more. We need to connect more and to have more fellowship. We're called to do that with intentionality. Here's the last one. The, the, it's not the last one, but the last one we're going to emphasize is the word service. To demonstrate the love of Christ in our care for others. We're going to serve our community. We're going to love them physical, physically, tangibly. And I'm just seeing great progress in that, both formally and informally. I'm seeing it formally through the Various Bless Our Neighborhoods initiatives, what we've done for foster care, what we've done to link arms with our schools in the area, what, we, what we've done to link arms with uh, 
underserved communities right here in Sumner County. It's happening, but it's also beautifully happening in, in informal ways. As I'm just seeing the heart of Jesus on his people, seeing people who are just serving. I thank God for, for Brenda and her ministry for 15 years, Brenda has been, and Les too, I won't forget you, Les, has been serving the Sumner County veterans once a month, feeding them. And, and, and if you ever want to help her out with that, they, they need help feeding uh, the, these overlooked veterans that are, that are in a special home. This, this tangible way to show, show God's love. That's why Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 talks about the purpose of our salvation on this planet during the time we're alive here. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus just to sneak into heaven. No, that's not what it says. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Hey, we're not trying to earn our way into heaven through good works, but we're walking in good works because we're walking in the craftsmanship of God. You know, if you've ever done something for the Lord, you're like, that just felt good. It felt good to lead that Bible study. It felt good to take the meal to, to that neighbor. It, it felt good to serve our community. It's not because it's just an emotional um, um, affirmation internally. It's because you're walking in the design of God. He designed ahead of time for his people to be full of love, to be full of service, to be full of kindness, to be going, to be speaking, to be loving, to be in fellowship with each other, to be worshiping him, to be maturing in Christ through the discipleship process or just by knowing Jesus better. These are the things that he has prepared us to do. I want you to hear this today. Being part of the church is not something you do. It's a call that you've received. Being part of the church is not an activity. Being part of the church is a birthright. It's an inheritance. You don't just choose to attend a church. You don't choose just to volunteer at a church. You don't choose to just give a church. You step in to the place that God has predetermined by his will and purpose. He's created us together to be his workmanship to do good works for the kingdoms of God. And you know what's great about this sermon is you guys are doing this already. I mean, I'm not like preaching this like, I hope these guys get it together. I hope they catch on. I hope they step in. I want to say Christ is love church. You are a great church because you have a great God and you're walking in his steps. So be encouraged with this today. You're going to see in our future more bless our neighborhood opportunities. Some will be formal as we all do them together. Some will be in 242 groups and many, many will be you obeying the prompting of the Holy Spirit as we get a heart for the harvest. So here's the deal. Why do we have a church? Is it going to be like my graduation hood collecting dust Is that who we are? Are we just a church collecting dust in the back corner of a closet? No, we are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. We are a light in darkness. We are are a source of strength that says Jesus to the world. So I'm so glad we're doing that together. Yeah, let's thank the Lord for that. All right, while you're clapping, if you're able to, let's just go ahead and stand. You don't have to stand, but if you're able to, we're going to have a time of response. I want to invite uh, those who will distribute communion to begin to position themselves. I want to invite those who 
uh, who will be praying today, praying for our prayer partners uh, to also position themselves. And we're going to have a time to just respond to this call, just respond to this call from the Lord. Um, the five purposes of the church. I, I just thank you. Thank you. I, I, I'm so glad he's chosen us to be together. And, and I want us to move forward in health, move forward in purpose. I don't want us to waste a year, waste a Sunday. You know, every, every Sunday counts. Every Sunday means something. God sends someone to this church every single Sunday for us to love. And, and God may have sent some of you today. I just want to speak to that, that this may be a significant Sunday for you, that you got in your car, you drove here, you found your seat, but the Lord has more in mind than just the time slot today. He's affirming a call to this church. He's affirming this is your place. This is your place to do the workmanship of the Lord. This is your place to step in. This is not, guys, about us trying to fill slots. Guys, I'm tired of the church just trying to fill slots. We want to empower people. We want you to walk in your purpose. We want to walk in your destiny. We want you to walk in your calling. We want you to say, look what God can do through his church. And that's me. I am the church. I am part of the church and he's working through me. So praise God for that. Guys, it all, all goes back to Jesus, doesn't it? We exist for him to know his love and to share his love. And what Jesus did on the cross and what Jesus did through his resurrection, we'll never get tired of proclaiming the gospel. We'll never be tired of looking at Jesus and bringing his life into our life as he has redeemed us. And so on this Trinity Sunday, we'll do the prayer of confession that we do most weeks. So appropriate, it calls for Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, we need this expression, as Josh said, a unique expression of Christianity, of who we are. I'm praying this for myself. That middle part of that prayer reminds me I'm wholly dependent upon Jesus for forgiveness and redemption. Would you join me in this prayer now? Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, set up your kingdom in our midst. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, renew me and all of the world.